Praise God, everyone. Uh, it is a beautiful day today, uh, regardless of what's going on out there. And, you know, many places around the country are under all sorts of restrictions for traveling and social distancing and things of that nature. But uh, just because that's happening doesn't mean that we can't have church. And um, this is a, po- a podcast. There's many churches around the country. I believe all churches around the country are under these restrictions. And so while we are not physically able to gather together with each other uh, to fellowship, to fellowship uh, within the confines or within the uh, the walls of an actual church or a facility, it doesn't mean we still can't go to church. Uh, last week in our podcast, we talked about how the body of Christ is the church. And so it's not the building that we are typically accustomed to going to. And so, again, even though the buildings are closed and we can't get in there because of the restrictions from uh, this coronavirus, it doesn't mean we're not going to have church and that we can't can't have church um, together in spirit. Now, in terms of coronavirus, there's just a couple things that I want to touch on uh, before we get into the into the message. And that is it's really important for Christians that and everyone really that we are paying attention to what's happening in the world paying attention to current events there are many people out there that do not uh, watch tv or get a newspaper or look at the news or listen to the news on the radio or anything like that Uh, and and many of these are christians as well because there is according to them there is so much negativity out there okay and it's too depressing to put on the news because there's always something negative out there. There's no feel good stories uh, that, that get posted. And so what happens is when you when you take that approach to current events and to the news, all you're doing is kind of sticking your head in the sand like an ostrich. You, you don't want to look at anything. You don't want to hear what's going on and you don't know what's going what's going on. But it's important for us to pay attention to what's going on. Uh, it's important to have some trusted uh, news outlets where you can get some uh, get some information about what's going on, some trusted sources, some reliable sources. And also, regardless of how trusted you think the sources are, being able to take that information and pray about it. You know, take it to Holy Spirit and ask, Lord, all right, what's truth in this? What should I do with this information, um, if anything? You know, uh, and on the opposite side of that, you know, you don't want to be watching everything so much where it becomes an obsession. You know, we're 24 seven. All you're doing is thinking about this coronavirus and, you know, how many cases there are and how many people are dying and and all of these things and how the economy is going to be impacted. So, in other words, you need to stay informed, but don't become obsessed with it because God indeed is in control. Uh, Last week, I had gone out early, went out to the to the store to go uh, get some medicine. I was on the tail end of a cold and wanted to go grab grab some medicine to kind of finish everything, finish the rest of the cold off. And I got to, you know, my Walmart before uh, before work there at about 6 a.m. or so. And there were people standing outside in line. And it was interesting to watch as, as everyone was standing there. And as the countdown got closer, you started seeing more and more people get out of the cars and walk up to the to the front of the store there. And when the clerk came, and he opened the doors. He said, OK, folks, I just want everybody to know that we have no toilet paper. We have no hand sanitizer. We have no wipes or any kind of Clorox spray. 
And if you've ever watched any presidential news conference when the president is given um, a, uh, making a statement, you know, to the to the media in the White House there in the in their press briefing room. After he's done making his statement, then there's a million questions that come out from the media. A whole bunch of them all at one time. It's kind of chaotic. You can't quite hear who's who's saying what. And then the president calls on someone and asks their question. Well, it was similar, very similar to that. There was a collective gasp out of everyone that was standing in line. And this clerk was getting bombarded with questions left and right. Is this this or that? What's going on? What's happening? And the clerk said, you know, the truck didn't come yet. We didn't get our truck. And so, of course, the obvious question is, well, when is the truck coming? And the clerk said, I don't know, but as soon as it comes, we'll get it. We'll, we'll get it uh, unloaded as quickly as we can. And the doors were open, but everybody's standing out there asking them all these questions. And so I simply just walked right in, grabbed what I needed, didn't have to, you know, worry about anything. I was in and out of there in less than five minutes without rushing or anything like that. And it just started making me think about, why is everyone panicking over this? And I'm not taking this situation lightly and saying that it's not serious, but there's no need for us to panic. And it was almost like the gasp that happened was a level of disappointment because people were putting their trust in Walmart to have the things that they need. And so the question that's going to be constantly uh, asked today that we need to think about during this message is who do you trust? Who do you trust? Now, earlier I mentioned, you know, um, hopefully you've got your Bibles with you to treat this just like uh, any other service. Uh, and so if you have your Bibles, bring them out. You know, if for some reason you're in a, in a place where you're listening to this but can't get to a Bible, maybe you're uh, a first responder, you know, and, and, and maybe you're able to listen to some of this during a break or during lunch or something like that. You know, take out a pen and some paper, write down some of the scriptures and go back to it when you have a chance. Um, but let's see what the word of God says. So turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs chapter three. And we're going to start in verse five. Again, the question is, who do you trust? Proverbs 3, uh, actually let's start in verse 1. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Underline all the verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. If you keep in God's laws... You will have peace during this time when you're trying to find the supplies that you believe you need. Verse three, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. If you don't have those scriptures on the line, underline uh, verses five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It didn't say with some of your heart. It says with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So, again, getting back to the question of who do you trust? When I went to Walmart that day, 
I knew that there were some places that were choosing to open maybe a little bit early or there were some places that were going to have lines outside and people waiting to get in. But when I got up that morning, or actually the night before, when I felt I should go to the store in the morning, I didn't get up with this rush and this panic and me crossing my fingers and hoping that they had stuff in there that I was looking for, that they had the medicine that I was looking for. I trusted in the Lord. I didn't lean on my own understanding. And so that's what I did when I got up that morning. And so when I got to the store, my expectation was the medicine that I was looking for was going to be there on the shelf and I was going to be able to purchase it. No fight was going to break out or anything like that. And, you know, there wasn't going to be this mad rush of everybody just running in and trying to grab what it is that I'm looking for. Not because I put trust in people, but because I put my trust in God. He was the one that told me, just go to the store tomorrow to go grab the couple of things that you need and then go home. Don't worry about anything else. And I did exactly that. Who do you trust? During this time with the coronavirus, a lot of people are putting their trust in the wrong places. They're trusting in the workers of the stores to, to stock the shelves. They're trusting that the truck driver is going to get to the store on time. And get everything uh, unloaded in a timely manner. There's trust that's being put into people that people, other people, are somehow going to be nice and and, and, and cordial when they're going out and they're, and they're buying. And that there's going to be trust that people are only going to buy what they need and not do the panic buying that we see so much. And what we need to understand, however, that it's not the truck drivers that provide for us. It's not the workers that are stocking the shelves that provide for us, but it's God who provides for us. So who do you trust? Turn in your Bibles now to First Chronicles chapter 29. First Chronicles chapter 29. Because we need to, again, make sure that we're putting our trust in the right places. And now I'm not saying that the truck drivers aren't trying to make any kind of deadlines. I'm not saying that they're purposely not doing that. I'm not trying to say that uh, uh, any workers are not trying to stock the shelves um, uh, in a timely manner. So in other words, I'm not saying that these people that we typically rely on to make sure that the things we need are available. I'm not saying that they are somehow purposely not doing those things. What I'm saying is God is the one that truly provides for us. And once we understand that, and once we can get to that, there's a level of peace, a level of peace and comfort that will overtake us during this time. Okay, During this time when there's so many people that aren't experiencing peace and so many people are experiencing fear. So First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10. Therefore, David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you reign over all in your hand is power and might 
In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, O God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. A few things that I want, if you don't have all of those scriptures there underlined verses, um, specifically verses 11 through 12, underline all of those because we're going to talk about a few things that are in there. Understand, especially in verse 11 there at the end there, yours is the kingdom and you are exalted as head over all. It doesn't say head over some, it's head over all. So what does that mean? Okay. What that means is that God is in control of everything. God rules everything. God doesn't just rule this nation or this world, this solar system. God rules and is head over every single thing, every single thing in the universe, including the universe itself. God is exalted over all. In the work world, okay, we know that you have people in leadership positions, right? And when things are, are, are happening, when things aren't working out and issues start to arise, you go to those people in those leadership positions because you understand the responsibility and the quote unquote power and authority that they have over the, 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 the staff that are underneath them. So we understand that. We recognize that. We know that we have elected officials, okay, whether this is local officials or whether this is at the state level or at the, at the federal level. Okay, at the federal level, obviously, the highest position is the president, right? And so when, whenever there's a, um, an election coming around, what do we do? We go to the ballot boxes and we cast, cast our votes. We, we watch debates and we listen to what that, the, the candidates are saying. Hopefully we're not listening so much to how they're saying it, but we're focusing on to what they're actually saying. And the problems that we see that we feel like need, that need to be addressed in this country, we align our uh, votes for a candidate that, is, that we feel is best suited to eliminate those problems. Why? Because that person then gets elected to a position of authority where they are above and they are head over the affairs of this nation. Or the affairs of the state or your, or your locality. Okay. So we understand that in the business sense. And that's why we elect people to, to various positions. But why is it that we don't understand that with God? God is so powerful that he doesn't need to be quote unquote elected to his position, if you will, of God. He is God. His power and his authority and his might is why he is all powerful, is why he is head of all and why he is above all. So with God being above all, that means he is above this coronavirus. That means he's above this spirit of infirmity, this spirit of coronavirus, this spirit of fear, this spirit of lack. OK, the, the, the spirit of anxiety. OK, all of those things. God is over all of those things. So it's important and critical that we get that deep into our spirits so that we aren't so worried about what's going to happen when I go to the store to go buy the things that I need. God is over all of that. OK, so there again in verse number uh, at the end of verse 11 there and you are exalted as head over all verse 12 again, both riches and honor come from you. And again, you see there, and you reign over all. So once again, we see God reigns over all. And notice something there in the beginning of verse 12, both riches and honor come from you. 
Riches can be described in many different ways. Typically, we think of that in terms of financial uh, health or um, uh, physical physical things that we have, you know, uh, how many cars you might have, the house that you have, uh, your bank account, all of those things. We think about riches and we forget that it's God that provides those things for us. It comes from him. All right. Continue on in verse 12 and you reign over all in your hand is power and might. And in your hand, it is uh, in your hand. It is to make great and to give strength to all. God gives everyone strength. Not just some, but he gives strength to all. Okay, so the strength to be able to persevere through this time when 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 I've heard people say that um, I'm going to go stir crazy being in my house, being on this quarantine, which I, 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 I personally don't understand that. If you have the peace of God in your household, there's no reason for you to be going stir crazy. If you're at home and you're focusing on your family or you're focusing on the things of God, um, there's no reason for you to be going stir crazy during this time. All right. He gives strength. If you're feeling that way, then what you should be doing is going to God and asking God for strength. He gives strength to all, not to some. Okay. Continuing on in this um, kind of in this theme or this foundation, if you will, in terms of giving strength, let's take a look at what first John says. So turning your Bibles to one John chapter five. One John chapter five. And we're going to start in verse one. So what we're doing now is we're laying just a little bit of just just trying to give some background and some foundation before we get into the heart of. Really, who do you trust? All right. So we know that we should be trusting God because he's above all. All right. He's over everything. He reigns over all. He's he 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 gives us strength. So we should be putting our trust in him and not into people. All right. First John chapter five and starting in verse one. Whoever whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Underline that whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him, who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Now understand something that if we say that we truly love God, then we should be keeping his commandments. Now, does it mean that? His commandments, when the Bible says his commandments that we just saw, that his commandments aren't burdensome. Does that mean that things aren't going to be difficult for us? No. Does that mean that we're not going to find we're not going to face challenging times? No. Does that mean that we're not going to go through some struggle and some heartache and pain? No. What this is saying, though, is that uh, um, God's uh, his commandments not being burdensome is simply meaning that. It would be far worse for you if you were not following his commandments. Okay, if you were living a sinful life and doing it purposely, especially that it would be worse for you to do that than it would be for you to follow God's commandments. All right. Where else? The Bible also says, uh, take my yoke for my 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 yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Okay, so that does, again, that means that there will be some trials and tribulations. Jesus said you will have trials and tribulations. But if you keep God's commandments, it's not a it's not something that is, is a burden. It's not something that's going to to weigh you down. Um, and then when you're hit with those challenges, when you're following God's commandments, you know where to go for the answers. You know who to go to. You know to go to God because God will give you strength and help you uh, get through those things. Now, some of you may think, okay, um, well, when I before I became saved, life just seemed so much easier. I didn't have to worry about this and worry about that and worry about that. Okay, maybe it seems like you might have some more challenges and tribulations when you become when you've decided to turn your life over to Christ. But you have to understand there's a reason why it might seem like that. Number one, when you decided to become a Christian. You painted a target on your back because you have this light that's shining about you that the devil can see. And then the devil looks at that and says, oh, great. Another one of them. Another Christian. So what does he do? Then he steps up his attack. See, before you became saved, the reason why you weren't being attacked was because the devil looked at you and said, I don't I don't need to worry about you. I got you where I, where I need you. I got you right where I want you to be. I don't have to worry about you. But as soon as you become a Christian. Then it's like, okay, now I have to worry about you. Now I'm going to start throwing some attacks your way. Now I'm going to start hitting you because now you're a threat to what I'm trying to do because you're following God. So that's why if things may seem like they're a little, they're, they're a little bit diff, more difficult. The other thing you have to recognize is this. When you weren't saved, were you truly happy? Did you really, really know what, know what joy was? And if you did feel like you, you were you were pretty happy, the big ultimate question is, without having accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, where were you going to spend eternity? You see, where were you going to spend eternity as a Christian? We know we spend out we're going to spend our eternity in heaven. So the, the the things of this life and the challenges that we face, we know that these are all just just are, are, are things that will pass because ultimately we're going to be in heaven with God and we're never going to know any more sorrow. We're never going to feel any more sorrow and pain and, and, and things like that. So it's again, following God's commandments isn't burdensome. Yes, there will be challenges and there will be trials and tribulations, but it won't be a burden. It's not going to weigh you down. OK, verse number three again, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Verse four. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Underline that. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Some really key and powerful things in just those few scriptures there. Number one, okay, in verse number one, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So I'm going to look, take a look at verses one and four here because there's an important connection to understand. Okay, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And then in verse four. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So what this means then is that if we are Christians and we've accepted Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, that means we are born of God. 
And if we are born of God, we can overcome the world because Jesus has overcome the world. And by us being born of God, we have the authority in the name of Jesus to overcome whatever it is that the devil decides to throw our way. Okay, that is really, 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 really critical. The other thing to understand about verse four is it says for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. That means that anything that you do that's in alignment with what God is calling you to do, you will have success and you will overcome whatever obstacles there are. If God put inspiration in your heart to open up some sort of business. And you're going through this turbulent time of coronavirus. If your business opening isn't aligned with what God asked you to do, there's nothing for you to worry about because you will overcome everything that is connected to uh, this coronavirus. OK, that's what this is saying. And that's extremely powerful. The other powerful piece about this that is often overlooked is the last two words of that verse, and that is our faith. You have to believe. And you have to have faith that God is who he is so that you can put your trust in him and therefore overcome the challenges of this life. So that question again, who do you trust? If you're born of God and you're doing things according to the way God is asking you to do them and you have faith, then your trust should be in God because you can overcome. Don't let anyone ever, ever, ever tell you that you're weak. If God is in you, then that means you're stronger than anything that the devil may throw your way. Because like I said earlier, you have the name of Jesus. You have the authority through the name of Jesus that you can use to be able to overcome the devil's attacks. If we're ever lacking anything or if we're ever feeling weak, we should never be given up. We shouldn't be believing that somehow God wants us to suffer because we're going through turbulent times. Because it's not his desire for us to suffer. It's his desire for us to be conquerors in all aspects, including all aspects of life, including over this coronavirus. There are Christians out there that believe that when bad things happen to us, when trials and tribulations come our way, that somehow this is that somehow God is intending for us to just lay down and to roll over and to not fight back and not to be victorious. That it's God's intention for us to suffer. It's not God's intention for us to suffer. So if you ever hear any Christian telling you that run the other way as fast as you can. Because they haven't clearly, they haven't grasped the fact that God expects us to be victorious and that, and that God is above all. And we just finished reading some scripture, scripture where it says that, that God gives strength to all. So if God gives strength to all, and the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and the Bible talks about being able to withstand the wiles of the devil, then why would God want us to lay over and crawl into a little hole when things get tough. That's not God's intention for us. His intention, again, as I said, is for us to be strong and to be over to and to be able to overcome 
whatever is going on in this world. Right now, we're dealing with a coronavirus worldwide. You think it's God's intention for us to be sad and depressed, locked up in our houses, just wondering why we can't go outside? Like, there's, what was that little, there was a song that was called, what was, um, there's like a little kid song, How Much Is That Doggy in the Window or something like that. Some of you might know that uh, if, if, if you heard it. And it just, and, and it makes me think of a little puppy by the window of a pet store looking outside just wishing that somebody would come in and buy him. And every time he sees somebody coming, he starts wagging his tail real fast and getting excited. And then when people walk away, he just kind of drops his head and lays back down, depressed that he didn't get a chance to go home with somebody. Okay? That's not God how expects us to look at this situation. What God expects us to do is to run to him and take this situation to him and cry out to him. And put our trust in him that he is going to supply our every needs during this time when it seems like the stores can't keep their shelves stocked long enough. To have faith and trust in him that if you were one of the unfortunate people that lost your job, that he will give you a job. Why? Because he provides for us. Okay, that is God's intention for us to be victorious. All right. God providing for us is evident throughout the Bible. One of the probably most, um, I want to say famous, that's not the word, not the word I'm looking for, but one of the, the, the most well-known scriptures of God providing for us, and we're not going to go there now, is in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22 verse, uh, verses 1 through 14. Uh, and for those of you that may know what that scripture is, um, this is where God told uh, Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. All right. Um, and if you know that, if you know that story and, and, and know uh, what was going on with Abraham at the time, you know, he had a child with with uh, with his servant, um, Hagar. And Isaac was his first child with Sarah, uh, who Sarah and Sarah thought that she was too old to have a child. And Abraham and Sarah had their, had their child. And this was Isaac. And God now is telling telling Abraham to take Isaac up and go sacrifice him to him. And as Abraham went through this and he was obedient to God, not questioning God, he was obedient to God at the time that he was about to, uh, to stab his, his, his son is when the angel came and told him to stop. And when Abraham looked over, what did he see? He saw a ram that was caught by its horn, horns in the bushes. And that's where uh, that that's where you find um, Jehovah Jireh, which is God, our provider. OK, there in those scriptures, because God always provides. So we need to remember God is our provider. So if we remember God is our provider, who do you trust? There are three areas during this time of this coronavirus pandemic in which people are really, really panicking about food, health. And finances, food, health and finances. And we're going to go to some scriptures and we're going to see what scripture has to say about some of these things. Starting off first with food, turn to Matthew 14. We're going to look at a very familiar account here. Matthew 14. And we're going to go to verse 13. Now we're going to get into the real the real meat, if you will. Of who do you of who do you trust? And we're going to look at how God has 
work through these three areas that I mentioned about food, health and finances and how he's he's proven uh, that he will provide. Matthew 14, verse 13. And let me see. Uh, this, so this is after, yeah, we'll start in verse 13. This is after Jesus, um, this is after John, John the Baptist was, uh, was beheaded. And so Jesus found out about it. So the, picking up in verse 13, when Jesus heard it, talking about the beheading of John the Baptist, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. So they heard about where Jesus was going there. Jesus was departing. And so they decided they were going to follow him. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Underline, he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Here you see a great example about, of how God operates. Right? Jesus being the son of God is part of the Godhead, is part of the Trinity. He's God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is God's son here in the form of man. But what you see there is. He was moved with compassion for them. He just got some news. Okay. That the man who baptized him. Was killed. And he went off to try to be by himself. And so all of these people that were following him. And he decided that, you know what? I need to heal these people. These people are sick. He didn't shut the door and say, get away from me. He said he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. So you have to understand. God is a healer. Jehovah Rapha. God is our healer. OK, which means that and, 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 and this is kind of touching on health, which we'll get to in a little bit here. But that goes to show you that God will provide in terms of making you healthy. OK, he healed their sick. Verse 15 when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go find they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. So, again, you see there that once again, Jesus isn't sending anybody away. Know that when you're going to God and you're asking him. To provide for you. And when you're asking God to help you. To either provide food for you. To provide a job. To provide some health. Some peace. Know that God will never ever ever turn you away. Verse 16 again. But Jesus said to them. They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him. We have here only five loaves and two fish. Underline we have here only five loaves and two fish. Very key word in there is only, 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 only. What they're telling God and what they're telling Jesus in essence is we don't have enough for all these people. You telling me, Lord, to go feed these people. And I'm telling you, this is all we've got. So there you see what they're doing is they're looking at the circumstance in front of them. They're looking at the circumstance in front of them. And based off of that, they're telling Jesus, who they've seen do all sorts of miracles, they've seen him heal people. They're now going to tell Jesus, we only have five loaves and two fish. What did we read earlier? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
So if I see that we have these multitudes of people and this is all the food we have, if I'm putting my trust in God and I'm not leaning on my own understanding, then my conversation is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to take that and say, okay, Lord, let's feed everybody. Okay. Who do you trust? We have here only five loaves and two fish. You know, and I'm going to say it. When you go out to the stores and if you see people walking in the cart with their cart, shopping carts full of stuff, sometimes two shopping carts full of stuff, you can't help to wonder how many people are actually in your family. What are you doing with all of that stuff that you're hoarding, with all this stuff that you're, that, 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 that you're buying there? Okay. Are you looking at your circumstances and saying, I only have X amount of toilet paper, so I need to go buy five years worth of toilet paper? Are you saying that I only have uh, uh, enough food for the next two days, so I need to go buy two years worth of food or two months worth of food? So what understanding are you are you are you leaning on? Are you leaning your own on your own understanding or are you leaning on God's understanding that he's going to provide for you and that he's going to sustain you? Verse 18, actually verse 17 again. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments uh, of the fragments that remained. Now, those who had eaten were about 5000 men besides women and children. Look at that. Here they are looking at the circumstances, wondering how are they going to feed all of these people that are following him? The disciples tell Jesus that, hey, you need to send them away into town to go buy food. And Jesus is saying, no, you feed them. Disciples are coming back and saying, well, hold on a second. We don't have that much food. This is all we have. And Jesus is saying, tell them to go sit down and bring them, bring them, bring them here, bring them here. Tell them to come down and sit down. And he took what he had and he blessed it. Okay, um, I believe I believe the account that Matthew gives, uh, he says that um, Jesus looked to heaven and gave thanks. So when he said blessed uh, there that we see that we see here um, in, in this account here from uh, from from uh, actually this is Matthew. In one of the other accounts, um, it may have been Luke. He said he it said that Jesus gave gave thanks. That Jesus gave, gave thanks. So in other words, Jesus took what he what he had, the little bit that was given to him. He thanked God for having that little bit amount and then started to act in faith and distribute the food out to the entire multitude. And they were all were able. They were all able to be filled. They were all able to eat and they have some that were left over that they put in into baskets. So before you think about going out and panic shopping. OK. Take some time out and look at the stuff that you have in your cupboards and thank God for what you have. Before you start panicking about, oh, my gosh, if I leave my house, I'm going to get sick. Thank God for the health that you currently have. OK, because there's not that many people out there that might be as blessed as you. So before you start going out getting things, thank God for those things. Thank God for the fact and thank God that he is constantly providing for you. OK, thank him for being who he is, because here he sat. He sat down and fed five thousand people 
with just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. How many of us today would have that level of faith if that if, if we were faced with that? If you went down to the waterfront park down in Salem. Or up in Portland and you had all these people there and all you had were were were, were, were five loaves of bread and two fish. Do you have the faith to be able to tell them to sit down? We're getting ready to eat and this is all we have. Or would you be telling them, yeah, why don't you go down to that store right there? You might want to buy something. Because I don't know, by the time we get to you, you might not have anything to eat. So you might want to go take your wallet and go over there and you might want to go buy something. Or would you say, no, sit down because God is going to provide this meal this to be big enough for everybody that's here. So we see there in the face of a little bit of food. Jesus was able to do a miracle and feed a lot of people. So one area again. That people are panicking about during this time is food. Who do you trust to provide your food? The second area is health. Turn to Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33. And we're going to start in verse one. Okay. Don't panic about your health. Jeremiah 33, verse one. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Underline all of verse three. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Who are you calling on during this time? As this coronavirus still lingers, as tests are happening and as the media reports what the test results are and you see it everywhere you go on every single news station. OK, who are you calling out to? Verse four, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel concerning the houses of this city and the houses of the kings of Judah, which have been pulled down to fortify against the siege mounds and the sword. They come to fight with the Chaldeans, but only to fill their places with the dead bodies of men whom I will slay in my anger and my fury for uh, all for those wicked, all, excuse me, all for whose wickedness I have hidden my face from this city. Verse six, behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. Underline all the verse six there. Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. You know, in this country now, obviously, we have this the health issue that's going on. All right. And if you're watching current events, you know that uh, there's not just the health concerns, but there's concerns about the economy. All right. But what do we just see in verse three here or in verse three, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. If we're calling out to God during this time, he's going to take care of everything that needs to be taken care of. OK, he's going to help the doctors to find. Vaccines and cures for the coronavirus. He's going to help protect those that are the, the, the most vulnerable, vulnerable populations. He's going to protect those that aren't considered a vulnerable population. He's going to ensure that the economy can get back on track so people can get back to work. 
Okay, these are the things that God is going to do. He's going to bring about health and healing. Okay, and and, and there in verse six again, behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. So if we're crying out to God during this time, he's also again going to give us peace and he's going to tell us the truth about what's going on. That is so important because a lot of why during this time, a lot of the reason why we don't have the peace is because we don't know what the truth is. Okay. If you put all your trust into the talking heads on the TV, the, the, the media or or any politicians or what you read in the newspaper or God forbid you're getting all your information off of Facebook. Okay. You don't know what truth is, but God knows what the truth is. And so when you're hearing this information, you should be reaching out to him. When I started this, this sermon, I was, I was, I was talking about um, how it's important to find, you know, reliable sources for, 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 for information of information. And, and when you turn on the news, you see all the numbers up there about worldwide deaths, the increase in, 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 in cases over the last 24 hours, the increase in deaths over the last 24 hours, et cetera, like that. And when you look at all that information, you, if you are not grounded in God, it will bring about a lot of fear and unknown. So you have to take that information. You have to take the God. Lord, what does this mean? Help reveal the truth to me. What is truthful? What's not truthful? Okay. I mean, during this time, there there are are so many disagreements, not just in, in, in political parties, but, 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 but with people um, just having discussions around, you know, what, what, how do we deal with this? What's the right way to deal with it? What's the wrong way to deal with it? Your way is wrong. My way is better. No, my way is better. Your way is wrong. And it's hard to figure out, well, what is the truth? And no one has peace over that because it seems like there's so much chaos. But if you ask God and you cry out to him and you put your trust in him, he will reveal to you Peace and truth. Reading verse six again, behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. And I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return and will rebuild those places as at the first. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. Then it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and an honor before all nations of the earth who shall hear all the good that I do for them, do to them. They shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and the prosperity that I provide for it. So it just makes you think when you read that there. How are we as a nation. Treating God during this time of coronavirus. Are we reaching out to God? Are we thinking about how much glory we can give God after this whole situation is over? After it gets contained and vaccines are made and the economy is back and people are back to work and caught up on any bills and everything like that. Are we even thinking about how we can turn this and give God glory? One of the things that I've always done, um, uh, especially in the midst of some sort of major trial or tribulation or some sort of um, tragedy that, that that has taken place, I always ask and I always pray to God that this situation will be used to glorify him. I always say that. 
And the reason I say that is because every time tragedy strikes, every time something bad happens, every single piece of negative news that happens out there, um, people are really quick to say, huh, well, where's God in all of this? If God was alive or if God was real, he wouldn't allow this coronavirus to spread. He wouldn't allow all these people to die. He wouldn't allow my family member to get sick from this thing and die. That's what they say. So I always try to ask. I always ask God, Lord, let this situation be used for your glory and your honor, because God is in everything. If you're choosing to, to look and to see him and to understand that things happen for a reason, he has an ultimate plan, which none of us know. He gives he gives us glimpses here and there as he sees fit. But we no one knows what God's plan is through all of this. There are certainly some inklings. What I believe in my spirit is that this time when when the the, the world seems quieter now. OK, the world seems quieter for those of us that are sports fans. We're not watching sports on TV anymore. There's no live sporting events. Sports is shut down. So that's more time for us to spend with God. You've got these quarantine orders and these stay at home orders that are taking place. Don't go out unless you absolutely need to. What are you doing with that time while you're in your home? God could be trying to call out to you during this time. OK, so there is a reason why these things are happening. I don't fully understand them and I don't know if I ever will and if God will ever reveal those to me. But all I know is that he has a plan. And I know that he's going to bring about health and healing and he's going to bring about peace and he's going to reveal truth. But we have to continue to call out to him and we have to trust him. Continuing on in health, let's take a look at Exodus chapter 15. Praise the living God. God is in control. Exodus 15. And we're going to start in uh, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and uh, then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to, to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Then he cast it into the waters and the waters were made sweet. There you see a great example there of a need, a necessity, something that the, the, the children of Israel needed, something that they were hoping was going to be provided for them. They couldn't drink the waters. And, and, and to pull some science into this, you know that your body, I think, is, is like around 70 percent water. Um, and, I, and I remember reading. That you can survive longer on just water than you could on just food because of how much how much water your body is made up of. So they knew. So God knew that they needed water. They asked Moses, hey, Moses, well, what are we going to drink? And the first thing Moses did was he went to God. He cried out to God and God told him, here's what you need to do. And this is where you'll get the water. OK, he cast the tree into the water and the waters were now then made to be able to where they can actually drink it. It wasn't bitter anymore. Who do you trust? Moses trusted God. There he made a statue and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them and said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. 
Then they came to Elam where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the water. So there God continued to provide even more water. But what I really wanted to look at here is verse 26. And he said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord and do what is right in his eyes, in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have brought on the on the Egyptians. In other words, to summarize that up, if you listen to what God is telling you to do and you do what he's telling you to do. He's going to take care of you. OK, if he's going to take he's going to take care of you. And you notice it says diligently heed the voice of the Lord, which means that you 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 are striving to hear from God. OK, you're striving, you're reaching out to him and you're listening. You're listening. So many times what we do is we send up a prayer and we walk away. We say, all right, Lord, I need this, 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 this and this. Thank you for this, this and this uh, in Jesus name. Amen. Boom. And you walk away and then that's it. It's almost like if you picked up the phone and called someone, spoke to them, and then instead of and instead of them speaking back to you, you pick up the phone, you talk to them, you say, blah, 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 okay, goodbye, and then you hang up on them. That's not a conversation, okay? That's not diligently seeking after that person's voice and listening to what they have to say, okay? So if we diligently seek him and do what he asks us to do, then he will take care of us. And you see there at the end, uh, the last sentence there, for I am the Lord who heals you. Underline all of verse 16, for I am the Lord who heals you, okay? How many people, maybe some of you listening, how many people have some sort of cold symptom, sneeze, a cough or something like that, a headache, maybe a stomach ache or something like that, how many people are quick to say, oh, my gosh, I have the coronavirus. I'm in trouble. How many of them are saying, oh, Lord, I hope I don't have the coronavirus. I'm sitting here coughing. Oh, Lord, I hope this isn't the coronavirus. And how many of you. When you get those symptoms or get some sort of symptom of a cold or, or some sort of sickness. Are quick to get on your knees and say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, spirit of infirmity. How many of you are quick to do that? How many of you are quick to believe that by Jesus stripes you are healed? Okay. Who do you trust? Do you constantly just trust the negative reports about the what in the U, the U.S. I think is a little over one percent uh, uh, that, that said die from coronavirus. Do you focus on that and just say, oh, my gosh, I, I've got this little cough or this little tickle in my throat. Oh, man, I'm going to be one of those that 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 one and a half percent that's going to die. Oh, no, no. Oh, God, I hope this isn't me. Or do you do that or do you say in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, spirit of infirmity. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, spirit of cough. By Jesus stripes, I am healed in the name of Jesus. OK, who do you trust? The last area that we need to make sure we're not panicking about during this time is finances. So we've looked at food and we watched how Jesus healed the he, um, fed the five thousand. We looked at health and what Jesus said about calling unto calling unto him that he will bring health and he will bring about healing and that he is the Lord who heals us. Remember, that's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Now we're going to look at finances. Turn to First Timothy, chapter six. As we start to wind down here, 
First Timothy chapter six. And we're going to start in verse three. Uh, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine uh, which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who oppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourself. Okay. So if anyone is in there and they're not adhering to the words that God is, 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 uh, tells us through his word and aren't paying attention to the things that Jesus talked about. Uh, OK, what, what, what this is saying here is that it, it leads to a lot of um, it leads to a lot of pride and conversations and bickering and arguing over things that don't even matter because. Uh, uh, you, basically, what you're doing is you're arguing over stuff that has nothing to do with being godly. OK, and so this is saying withdraw yourself from those from those conversations. All right. Uh, verse number six. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we can carry nothing out and having food and clothing with these. We shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows but you O man of god flee these things and pursue righteousness godliness faith love patience gentleness Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on to eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. A lot of awesome things there. I want to focus on verses um, nine through ten. Underline all of those if you don't have all of those underlined. OK, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Riches. Uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. Right. Riches. Typically, we think of it as um, finance, finances, okay, things that have to do with money, all right. Um, but riches isn't just money. A lot of times, riches is also also should be looked at as you know some 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 things that you own. Um, good example during this time, all right, with the coronavirus, one could say that you are rich if you have a huge stockpile of of hand sanitizer, okay, all right. Or you got a huge stockpile of toilet paper, you know, things that are flying off the shelves that, that, that businesses can't keep in stock. Okay. And, and what the Bible is saying here is, is that if you desire to be rich and, and, and you, and you're letting that spirit of greed guide you, that you start to fall into temptations, um, and fall into all these traps, which ends up leading to, uh, le leading to destruction. Okay. Um, a great example of that. Is you see this on Black Friday when people go out shopping on Black Friday. All right. You have these long lines of people waiting there hoping to grab an item that there's not plenty. There's not a lot of stock of. And t at times fights have broken out. OK. So all, all over the news, you see it fights break out during this time with coronavirus, when there's so much stock being put in into toilet paper and hand sanitizer and antibacterial soaps and all of those things. 
um, uh, the, the, the greed and the desire to have all of that can lead to uh, destruction. Okay, at least into people getting fights and into getting getting into fights and getting angry and making decisions on on things with that with absent God, uh, absent God being in the center of all of that. All right. Then now it gets into in verse 10. Now we're starting to talk about money. So for the, the love of money, okay, not money itself. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. All right. Um. Your constant desire to have money and to have a big bank account means that you are you you are starting to develop a love for money. Okay, during this time when there's people that aren't working, okay, and when churches are closed, all right, who are you putting your trust in in terms of uh, who's who's going to provide for you financially? Okay, are you trusting that? The job is going to give you a paycheck. Are you trusting that a bank is going to have your money deposited into your into your account on payday? OK, or are you trusting that God knows how much money you need and that he will always make sure you have that, even if it's not the amount that you think you need? See, God knows what you need. We like to think we know what we need, but God really knows what you need. All right. And that love of money during this time, especially is. Is really is really critical because you start to make decisions, okay? You start to make decisions based off of the love of money. So what does that mean? Uh, with so many churches that are actually closed, physically closed, okay? How many people are setting aside their tithes so that when the church is open, they can give to God? Okay? How many people are doing that? How many people out there that... Uh, uh, may have lost their job when when they when they get blessed with a job and they may be behind bills are going to take that money that they would normally give to God and give it give it to a bill. One of the things that I've said on on many occasions is that the most important bill that I pay every single uh, every single month is my tithe. That is the money that I refuse to touch. I don't care what is going on. I will make sure that I take my money out for to to, to give to God first. And then everything else I deal with afterwards. I don't care what the situation is that's going on. Okay? Because I know that I can't outgive God and I know what God's word says and I want to be obedient to that word. Alright? So don't let finances be something that makes you panic to the point where you don't put your trust in God. Know that if you may be lacking financially, that God is still there and that he still will provide for you. But you need to call out to him. Very last scripture here. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And we're going to go to. Let's see. Let's start in verse 10. When you when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he, he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them 
And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which you were, which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the, the, the flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, and he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. Um, so what this is, what this is the scriptures before the end, verse 10 um, what this is really talking about here is is not forgetting um, uh, is for Israel not to forget uh, what God has 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 brought them through. OK, you know, one of the things that was mentioned in some of the scriptures before that um, is how that when when Israel was wandering uh, for those 40 years um, that they their their garments were never ripped. They never needed new garments. They never had uh, any kind of swollen feet or anything like that. I mean, as some of us, if we think about, you know, you know, walking more than, you know, <laughs> five miles or something like that. You know, your feet may swell up. You might have all sorts of achy joints and everything like that. And here they were walking in 40, you know, for 40 years. And they weren't wearing, you know, these comfortable shoes now with, with all the technology and things that they put in the shoes now. They didn't have that then. Um, and yet and still, their feet never, never swole up. Their, their garments never needed to be, to be changed. And God provided for them for all that time and we can't forget those things all right um verse 16 there the tail end it says that he might humble you and that uh, that he might test you to do good in the end understand that life is full of tests life is full of tests this coronavirus that's out here is just a test to see what are we going to do are we going to remember the things that god has done for us already and throw all those things out the window in the name of this coronavirus and, and the fear that's being spread out there and the misinformation that's being given? Or are we going to remember who God is and, and remember that it's him that gives us the power to get our wealth? Earlier, I was talking about uh, God giving us strength. If you ask him for strength, he'll give you strength. Okay, and we need to remember that it's God who brings us through things. It's God who provides who provides for us right now during this coronavirus outbreak. Our faith is being tested. Okay, our resolve is being tested. Our decisions on whether or not we're going to continue to follow God and the worship God, despite churches having doors closed. Whether or not we're going to keep his commandments, no matter what's going on around us. All of that stuff is being tested right now. How quickly, how quickly are we going to 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 to, to reach back out to God? How how much are we going to hold hold to his commandments? How how much of a disruption is this going to be to our um, daily walk with God and our relationship with God? Because there's there there are all of these inconveniences that are there. OK, there's all these inconveniences around us. Are we going to allow those things to pull out to pull us away from God? Or are we going to put our trust in God and know that this is just a setback and that this is just a test? 
And God is more powerful than all of these things. Okay. And to remember that it's God who gives us the wealth. God who gives us the wealth. I don't care how big your paycheck is. I don't care how big that bonus might be that you get at the end of the year or what's in your bank account. It's God that's providing that for you. We can't forget that. God is our provider and he will provide food. He will provide health and he will provide for our finances. He will also provide safety and protection for us as we go through some challenging times. A good thing that you or one thing that you could do. Some scriptures that I've noticed have come up all over the place over and over again since this coronavirus outbreak has happened. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 and Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And I won't go to those scriptures now. But something that you can do if you're struggling during this time and you're having a hard time with this, you know, coronavirus outbreak and, and, and you're worrying about things. In the morning when you get up, read Philippians 4, 6 through 7. That scripture is based off of that. That scripture is centered around not being anxious and not worrying and having a peace from God that surpasses all understanding. At nighttime, read Matthew 6:25 through 34. Those scriptures are centered around not worrying about what tomorrow is going to bring. Because tomorrow's got its own issues that it's going to worry that, that, that need to be handled. So there's no need for you to be worrying about those today. If you read those scriptures every day, what you will be doing is in the morning. You will be asking God to give you peace to get through the day. Because you need the peace. The peace that passes all understanding to be able to get through the day. You need it so that when you're going out to the supermarket, when you actually have to do some grocery shopping, that you're going to have peace. in knowing that whatever it is that you need, God is going to make sure you have it when you need it. And then when your day is over and you're getting ready to go to bed, you turn to Matthew 6, 25 through 24. And the last thing that you read is about how, you know what, I don't need to worry about what's going on tomorrow because God will provide for me. God thinks more highly of me than the birds of the air. And he's going to provide for me. And that I should continue to focus my, my eyes on him and stay focused on the things of him. And then I can go now and have a nice restful sleep because I don't need to worry about tomorrow. And then when you wake up in the morning, it's back again. Lord, give me peace. Get through the day. Then it's, all right, Lord, help me not to worry about tomorrow. So if you read those two scriptures during the day and you do that, you do that every day. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised how much relaxation that you get. You'll be surprised with how much you can actually hear God talking to you. You'll be surprised at how much peace that you have when everybody else seems like they're running around like a chicken with his head chopped off. Okay. So remember, the one that we should be trusting during this time is none other than God. And after we get through this, let's make sure that we don't forget the things that God has done for us and that we stay focused on him and we thank him for getting us through this. Praise God. I pray that this message has been a, a blessing to you. And I pray that uh, when you turn off this podcast, that you 
go in peace and that you go in strength and confidence, knowing that the Lord God, Jehovah, is one that will always provide for you. And all you have to do is call out to him. Praise God.